Good morning, Plum Creek. Good morning again. Uh, if we haven't met before, my name is Jared, and uh, I'm one of the ministers on staff here, and today I'm going to continue in our Legacy series. Uh, Doug's done a good job of setting this up, I think. I especially like two weeks ago when he talked about the clear legacy that he wanted to, to leave, that his children would know that he loves them, that he loves their mom, and that he loves Jesus. So that'd be a great legacy to leave. I think all of us would be really satisfied with life if we looked back on it at the end and said that's the legacy that we left. Uh, but leaving a legacy like this requires being intentional every day. Every decision we make has to go through that filter. Um, will this decision help my kids know that I love them? Will it help them know that I love their mom? Will it help them know that I love Jesus? It requires a lifetime of these small incremental choices. Sometimes you fail, and you get back up, and you keep going. It's definitely the long game to make a legacy like that. So if you want to leave that kind of legacy, it's work every day. But what you have to remember is, you don't get to choose whether you leave a legacy or not. You definitely are going to leave a legacy. You're going to leave a mark on the world that impacts people around you. It might be a good legacy. It might be a bad legacy. It all depends on the choices you make. So that reminded me of a, uh, an obituary that I saw recently. Uh, Kathleen Demlo was born on March 19, 1938, to Joseph and Gertrude Schunk of Wabasso. She married Dennis Demlo at St. Anne's in Wabasso in 1957 and had two children, Gina and Jay. In 1962, she became pregnant by her husband's brother, Lyle Demlo, and she moved to California. She abandoned her children, Gina and Jay, who were then raised by her parents in Clements. She passed away on May 31st, 2018 in Springfield and now will face judgment. She will not be missed by Gina and Jay and they understand this world is a better place without her. That was brutal. And I, I know where you are right now because I've read this, you know, the first time I read this, it was kind of like, should I, should I laugh at that or not? It's sad, but it's still, it's, it's kind of crazy that somebody actually put that. I, I wanted to put it up there so you knew there was an actual obituary that was in the paper. And I'm sure Kathleen didn't start her life out thinking, this is what I want people to say about me when I die. But our decisions have consequences. They are what make our legacy. Kathleen made some pretty terrible choices and the people around her suffered. Living day-to-day, -day, selfishly satisfying our own desires will create a legacy of pain to the people around us. And none of us want to leave that legacy. So we have to be intentional about the legacy that we do want to leave. It takes work and consistency every day. Like Joshua, Joshua Naley. He's from Elizabethtown, Kentucky. You may have heard of Josh. Uh, he wanted to create a legacy he was determined, he was consistent, he was intentional. His dream was to be cast as a dead body in a movie or TV show. So Josh uses the term unalive. Josh realized that the social media platform TikTok gave him a unique opportunity to reach his dream. So under his TikTok name, and you can look this up yourself, at Living Dead Josh, Josh began posting videos of himself playing unalive every day. There's a, a shot of a lot of those videos. On day 127, Josh videoed himself face down in the woods. On day 101, he was in the snow. On day 249, he was floating face down in a lake. 
In another video, Josh is laying in a creek as his dogs walk by to sniff him. And my favorite is day 304 where he's unalive next to his Jeep. Josh became TikTok famous for how he focused on achieving his dream. Then it happened. Producers from CSI Las Vegas called Josh and cast him in an upcoming role. After posting over 300 videos of himself, Josh achieved his dream. There he is next to the star. If you're a CSI fan, you saw Josh on November 3rd playing a dead body in a morgue. Josh gives this advice. If you have a goal, persistence is the key. Keep grinding. Keep going at it, and eventually you may get noticed. That's right, Josh. Keep grinding, and you'll get noticed. Josh is leaving a legacy. Who am I to judge or place value on what that legacy is? He had a dream, and he went after it, and people will remember. So what legacy do you want to leave? I know you don't want to be remembered like Kathleen. The world is a better place without her. And maybe, just maybe, you have higher aspirations for your legacy than to be cast as an unalive person in a TV drama. No offense, Josh. If you're a follower of Jesus, though, Scripture makes it pretty clear what our legacy should be. God is doing something in the world. He invites us to be a part of it. And that plan hasn't changed all that much from the first century. The first part of this plan that God had is to take the gospel and preach it where it has not been preached. Now, Paul talks about this in Romans 15, and this is the, the main scripture that I'll be using today. Romans 15, cha uh, chapter 15, verse 17. Paul says, Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles or lost people or people who have never heard to obey God by what I've said and done by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way to Illyric, <laughs> I've been practicing this word all week, <laughs> Illyricum, I have proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. So Paul's saying, this is the legacy I want to leave. I have been and I will continue to, as Josh said, keep grinding because persistence is the key. I want Jesus to get glory. In fact, I won't even talk about anything else except sharing the good news of Jesus with those who are lost. Paul says he fully proclaimed the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum. Illyricum was a Roman province. By the end of this message, if nothing else, you may be able to pronounce that. Illyricum was a Roman province on the Adriatic Sea between Greece and Italy. Je Jerusalem to Illyricum uh, is about a thousand miles. Now that's a significant journey using first century modes of transportation. But Paul didn't just pass through. It's not like he just drove by and he saw these places, these exits on the interstate as he went. He stopped at these places all along the way to fully proclaim the gospel to people who have never heard. He planted churches in all of these cities along the way. We know Paul planted churches there because uh, later we see uh, churches named in Scripture Galatia, Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth, and Ephesus. Those should, should sound familiar because much of the Bible is just Paul writing letters back to the churches that he planted. So near the end of his letter to the Romans, 
Paul tells us this part of what should be the legacy of every follower of Jesus. It's what he's been doing, planting churches in places that have no churches. Sharing the good news of Jesus in places where the good news of Jesus has never been heard. He made a pretty impressive thousand-mile journey, and he planted churches along the way, sharing the good news of Jesus. Paul says, it is my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. And then in, in, the, in the passage, if you look in Romans 15, he takes several Old Testament verses and smashes them together, and he says this, those who have never been told of him will see him. Those who have never heard will understand. Paul knows the importance of sharing the good news of Jesus with those who have never had the opportunity to hear. The nations. This is God's heart throughout the Bible. This is his purpose in what we call the Big C Church. You might have heard that term used before. The Church Universal. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the Church Universal. Uh, this should also be your ambition. Plant churches where there are no churches. You should be doing your part to make that your legacy. Because as a follower of Jesus, you're part of the Big C Church. It, it, it's a task that Jesus gave us to complete. It's not someone else's job. It's the church's job. And every follower of Jesus should be taking part in that. We see God's heart for the nations all through Scripture. I'm going to fly through some, some places where we see that. If you, if you aren't familiar with the Bible, you may not know some of these, but you could go and, and look these up. In Genesis 12, we see the call of Abraham. God tells Abraham that he's going to be a blessing to all the families of earth. In 1 Samuel 17, we see David and Goliath, and we see David tell Goliath that God's going to give me the victory so that all the earth may know that God is real. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. You might have a coffee cup that says that or a t-shirt, but the next part of the verse says, so that I will be exalted among the nations. Daniel chapter 3, there's a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These three guys were thrown into a fiery furnace, and God saved them so that the true God would be known to every people, nation, and language. Daniel chapter 6, you may have heard of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel's thrown in the lion's den, and he's saved from the lions, so that the whole world would tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. Over and over and over in the Old Testament, we see God's heart for the nations. And God gets glory when the nations turn to him. So in the book of Revelation, we see the end of the story. God brings all of the nations back to him. That's what heaven's going to be. All these nations back reunited together and worshiping restored to God, every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping together. And God wants you not just to be part of that worship service that's going to happen. He wants you to be part of what brings it all together. That's why he made the church, the big C church. God gets more glory when you're part of the story. When you make this your legacy. That's why every follower of Jesus is part of the church. We have a big task to complete. Jesus isn't coming back until it's done, so let's get busy. It's our legacy, and it's already written. In just a minute, I'll share some ways that you can get involved with that even uh, right here and now. But first, I want to say that there's more to the story than that. There's more to our legacy than just planting churches every place they should. Uh, they, there are no churches. You should be thinking, so you mentioned the big C church. What about the little C church? Well, I'm glad you asked. If Christianity on the global scale is consumed with reaching every people group, 
by planting churches in places they've never been planted, what do those churches do once they start? That's the Little C Church, the local congregation. I believe if you're a follower of Jesus, you should also be part of a local congregation. So for me, that's Plum Creek, and Plum Creek and all local churches should be serving and reaching the people who live in their community, reaching your neighbors for Jesus. We see this illustrated in Acts chapter 2. The other, the other part of uh, the scripture I want to use today. Acts chapter 2, 46 and 47 says this. Day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they receive, food, uh, they receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. That's the Little C Church. They met together for worship. They had small groups. They were generous in giving and serving. And they grew in number. It's the job of the church to reach people around them. It's a brilliant plan, really. Church, you have two jobs. Number one, plant churches where there are no churches. Number two, teach those churches to reach their neighbors around them. So if you're part of a local, local church, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be, this is the legacy that God set out for you. As Josh Naley put it, you have to keep grinding. you got to be persistent in that. Or better yet, as Paul put it, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the lost to obedience. I want to shift gears now for a minute and talk about how we create that legacy. Because it's pretty overwhelming if you just read that, like, oh no, I've got to plant churches in places there are no churches. I've got to reach the neighbors all around me. Let's talk about how we can create that legacy. I think the first thing we have to think about is we've got to use what we have. And the good news for Americans is we have a lot. There are two things that we have that can create this legacy for the Big C Church and the Little C Church. Money and time. So if you live in the United States, you have to recognize that you're richly blessed. The average household in the United States, uh, uh, the average household income in the United States is around $67,000 a year. So maybe you're a little more than that, maybe you're a little less. Literally, literally half of the world's population, though, lives on $2 per day. That's a household income of $3,500 a year. If your family makes $67,000 a year, you, own, you earn almost 20 times half of the world's population. So richly blessed. We're so blessed that some of you, after service today, will go to a restaurant. You'll wait in line for a table where someone is going to prepare your meal, fill your drinks, Bring food to your family, and the most important part probably, clean up after you, and you'll pay $100 to do it. Many people in the world can't even fathom that that's a thing. That would be 50 days' salary for some people in the world. But most people in the U.S. have discretionary income for things like that. We have margin when it comes to money. Now, with grocery prices and other rising costs, we probably feel like we all have less margin than we once had, but we still definitely have margin. And for those people who have a household income of $3,500 a year, who are making $2 a day, their time must be consumed with trying to figure out where their next meal is coming from. I assume their time is almost always and almost only about finding how they're going to feed their children the next day. 
I don't know about you, but I've never really been that concerned about where the next meal is going to come from. I don't think about how my kids are going to eat tomorrow. We have always had the food that we need. It may not always be the food we want, but we have always had the food we need. Our schedule isn't consumed with figuring out where our next meal is going to come from. In the U.S., we have margin for time. We typically aren't all that concerned about survival. We complain about being busy, but we filled our schedule with non-essential things. These things aren't bad, and I don't want anybody to feel necessarily guilty about them, but they aren't always necessary. For example, yesterday, I used some of my time margin to go to a football game in Louisville. For many people in the world, spending a day on something like that would mean your kids don't eat tomorrow. So half the world's population has enough money just to scrape by, surviving on $2 a day. And all of their time is consumed with how they're going to make that $2 a day stretch far enough to feed their family. They aren't taking their kids to choir concerts or football practice, and they certainly don't have time to spend an hour uh, like this talking about how are we going to leave a legacy. Survival has a way of robbing um, the ability to make an impact on the world. I'm guessing that many of them are consumed with the here and now. Now, some of these people certainly have an impact on the kingdom and the world, but they have to overcome incredible barriers to do it. But in the U.S., we have margin. We're blessed. Um, there's a video I remember called the Zip Code Lottery, which basically says how successful you are largely depends on where you're born. So uh, thinking about that, if you're born in the U.S., you have won. If you're born in other places in the world, you're at a great disadvantage. Much of the reason you have blessing, much of the reason you have this margin is by simple virtue of where you're born. Now, I don't want to minimize your accomplishments. Maybe you've been successful. You've worked hard, you've studied hard, you've made wise decisions, and that's part of your legacy. You might call yourself a self-made man or woman, and I'm not discounting that at all. But if you've been born in some parts of the world, that hard work, study, and wise choices would have gotten you $2 a day. There are lots of places in Scripture that talks about what we should do with this margin. We might look at the parable of the, um, of the talents. That would illustrate this. Or Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth. But maybe this one's most helpful. Ephesians 5. Look carefully then, since you have this margin, look carefully then how you walk. Not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. So we have to recognize that God has blessed us. He's given us margin in our time and in our finances. Why do you think he did that? Why do you, what do you think he expects us to do with this margin we have? How can we be wise? How can we... How can we uh, be careful how we walk and be wise with the margin we have. How can we make the best use, use of it? What if we recognized, if we just recognized how blessed we were and took some of that margin to build legacy, an eternal legacy, building into God's kingdom, bringing the story of what God is already doing, of bringing all those nations back to him, Big C Church, and reaching all those neighbors around those churches, Little C Church, so I want to challenge you to that today. I want to challenge you to have a conversation with your family about what margin you have. That'd be a great dinner conversation. What margin do we have in our life? Okay, praise God for that. It's Thanksgiving week. 
That would be a great conversation for Thanksgiving. So we have all this margin. Thank you, God, for giving this margin. How do you want us to use it? Well, it just so happens I have some examples for you. Uh, here are some ways that you could use your margin even coming up soon. And I didn't, we didn't create these to, to have a, an action plan for this message. We have things going, like, going on like this all the time. So I want to share these with you. And the best way to find out about these is to check your bulletin or the, the newsletter that's coming out uh, soon for December. So the first thing is Wish Thanksgiving. We have an event coming up. David talked about Wish, Welcoming International Students Home. Um, we're going to have Thanksgiving meal for those students. So today, you could go to the information center. Or you could even get on your phone or scan the QR code in your beacon or in your bulletin and find out ways how you could help with that Thanksgiving meal. We'll have about 40 international students here on Thanksgiving Day, and many of them are from places where there is no church. So we have an opportunity to impact the Big C Church. They're from unreached people groups. They also happen to be our neighbors, Little C Church, uh, for the next four years because they attend school at NKU. So on Thanksgiving Day, we'll share a meal. We'll share, we'll share the love of Jesus. We'll explain that we pause on the fourth Thursday of every November, and we tell Jesus how thankful we are. That's what we'll talk about. So you might be able to serve that day by coming and hosting or baking a pie or bringing a can of green beans, and you can sign up for that. Uh, in the in, at the Information Center or online. I also want to tell you about Perspectives class. It starts in January on the 9th. And when I first heard about the Perspectives class, I thought this, wow, three hours a week for 15 weeks is like an entire work week. That is a lot of margin they're asking for. But this class has changed the life of so many people. And I really want to encourage you to consider taking this course uh, this year, this will be the last year that we'll host it at Plum Creek. And we'll bring in great speakers from all over the world. They're going to share what God is doing. And then we're going to talk about practical ways you can impact that big C church, planting churches everywhere, even right here from northern Kentucky. Taking perspectives doesn't mean that you're going to become a missionary. But it may mean that you become a missionary. It has for many. And I can't say enough about how transformational it was for me and others I know, so I want to ask you to use some of your margin to consider taking this class. Mission trips, we still have spots on both of our mission trips coming up. Uh, we'll be going to uh, Honduras in July and Australia in September. Maybe you want to commit uh, to, uh, to going on one of those trips with us. Number four, commit to bringing one family to one of our Christmas services. This is like the minimum requirement of being part of Plum Creek. What friend or neighbor could you invite to come to our Christmas services? Almost everyone in our community is thinking about Christmas right now. Almost everyone in our community is thinking about uh, the birth of Jesus and what Christmas is going to mean for their family. People are open to coming to church. So get creative. Invite a friend. Take cookies to their house. Buy them lunch. Get, uh, get creative and intentional about way you can, you can ask them to come with you to church. Offer to pick them up. And when they come, sit with them. Invite them to the cafe after service. And maybe take them to lunch afterward to talk about uh, any questions they might have. Number five, increase your giving to church. I want to say a little bit about this. A lot of people shy away from saying something like that. You've even heard us say before from stage, if you're a guest here, we don't want you to feel like you have to give. And that's true. No one should feel like they have to give. But I'm proud of what we do as a church. 
I'm excited about the work that we support all around the world. I'm excited that last week we had 94 kids in the kids' area. I'm pumped that we had 30 junior high students at a retreat a few weeks ago. I can't wait for Christmas services because of all the cool things that we have planned, and I know that's going to change the trajectory of some of those families that you bring. I love the fact that we literally have one of the best daycares in the state of Kentucky. I'm thrilled that we have four college kids that are going to Bible college right now. I love that we have 30-some young leaders in core groups that meet a couple times a month, and we'll double that number in 2023. I am not ashamed to ask you to join me in supporting the work of this church financially. It's good work, and it's making a difference in the kingdom. You might want to think about starting to support a missionary. Uh, There are lots of opportunities here. Some require margin in time. Some require margin in money. And um, I want to just tell you a couple stories. Our team in North Africa uh, hosts a weekly phone call where you call in and just pray for an hour with that team. It would take about an hour of your time every week to join a call like that and pray for the unreached people groups of liberty. Tom and Sheila Anderson uh, will be here next week. I spoke with them this week to talk about that. And I asked, what are ways we could help you in Guatemala? Tom and Sheila Anderson were members of Plum Creek. Tom was an elder, and they went to Guatemala to be missionaries. What are ways we could best help you in Guatemala? The first thing they said, it'd be nice to get a phone call from somebody at Plum Creek a couple times a month. Like, that's easy. We can do that. We can encourage them that way. The next thing I want to tell you about is the Nutcracker. So Grand Slick Elementary is going to be hosting the Nutcracker here. Their kids are going to be doing the ballet. So, um, so we're excited about them doing that, and we're just going to be hosting. But you know what? Since we're hosting, we want to be good hosts. We want to have greeters here and people to help park and people to bake cookies and people to make coffee. So there's going to be ways to sign up to help with that coming up on December 18th or 15th. And if you, if you come and help with that, you're definitely going to find people you know there and have the opportunity to share with them about, about Plum Creek. So that's a way to help the Little C Church. So this week, there's some examples. There's tons of other examples of things you could do. But this week, commit to having a conversation with your family, with your spouse, maybe your kids. Talk about where the margin in your life is. I think it's appropriate at Thanksgiving to do that. Think about committing to one of these things or some other thing that could help big, build the big C church or the little C church, and keep grinding. Persistence is the key. So wrapping up, I want to tell you a little bit about my family's margin. Even though we are blessed, we recognize we are greatly blessed, sometimes all of us can feel like we just don't have a lot of margin right now. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes things completely out of our control make things really tight. And it's funny how those things all seem to hit at the same time. So um, just like everyone here, our groceries are more expensive, our cars break down, our appliances go out, tuition comes due, and it's weird how all of it seems to hit at the same time. You get pressed for cash and for time. And certainly this has happened at our house over the last few months. But we also had some medical issues at our house. Uh, We were fighting with insurance. We were dealing with some pretty extreme medical things. And um, anxiety and worry uh, became a big issue at our house. So this issue caused lack of sleep. It caused missed work, uh, missed school. We were dealing with 
uh, this lack of margin in money, in time, and probably most importantly just in encouragement or even emotional well-being. It's just tough when you get in there. Many of you have been in the same situation. You've probably been in a situation like that where you just feel alone. Uh, you feel like no one understands what you're going through. And you even start to feel like maybe nobody really cares. So right in the middle of all that, I get this card in my box uh, here at work. And uh, I don't think anybody would really have known the extreme uh, pressure that we felt in our family uh, or how stru stressful that was. But uh, we got this note, and it just says, uh, Dear Jared and Angie, thanks for all you do at Plum Creek. We love you. Uh, not signed. I have done handwriting analysis and cannot figure out where this came from. But someone at Plum Creek uh, used their margin to bless us. It also included a, a generous financial gift. So um, at the perfect time, God used somebody's margin here to bless my family. Uh, and like I came home that day and Angie and I cried about the timing of this gift. So somebody at Plum Creek decided to use their margin to bless us, and because of that, we had margin to turn around and bless somebody else. So whoever you are, thank you. And I didn't tell you that story to garner more of those gifts. Please don't do that. But I hope it does cause you to consider the margin that you have and how you could use that margin to bless someone else. The band's going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a song called The Blessing. The lyrics say... The Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Honestly, I've kind of had a problem with that song over the last couple years. It just seems like the song is so much about me. Like, God bless me, make your face shine on me, be gracious to me. It's so me-centered, and I want to be Jesus-centered. So... There has to be more than just receiving blessing when it's uh, being a follower of Jesus. So I decided I was going to look up the scripture to see where this song came from. And I found it in Psalm 67. It says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your way may be known and your saving power to all nations. So I've been looking forward now to singing this song with you all week. Yes, God bless you. God bless me. God be gracious to us. Make your face shine upon us so that we can be a blessing to somebody else. So that we can make your name and your power known among the nations because we're blessed to be a blessing. That's our legacy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessing that you've given us so richly. More than anything, you blessed us with the grace and forgiveness of eternal life and purpose that your son Jesus gives us so freely, but you've also blessed each of us with margin. We have margin in our time, we have margin in our money. Father, give us wisdom this week to discern how we can use those blessings to be a blessing to somebody else, how we can use our time and money to help plant churches where there are no churches. Help us to share the good news of Jesus with our neighbors, our friends, and our family, and our co-workers. Help us clearly see how we can make your story our legacy. Amen.